Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, June 3rd, we look at Lesson 10, Satan's Final Deceptions. Together, let's see how to overcome the enemy by the Word of God. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience And now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, here we are, Lesson 10, Satan's Final Deceptions. And John 17, 17, New King James Version, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Not always so easy to convince or to live by. We know this, but do we actually live this? No one wants to be gullible, Buster. No one does. And no one wants to admit that they don't have the full truth. But I can fully admit, I don't have the full truth, but I do believe and know that God's word, it is the truth. Absolutely. So tell well, us about uh, the, the way that seems right in a man's eyes, Michael. Again, two pivotal passages that uh, pertain to this uh, Adventist identity. And we've come to these chapters again and again through this whole quarter. Uh, the first comes from Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. It says, And the great dragon was cast out, the, that old serpent called the devil, and Ooh. Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So the first point is, is that we know who's doing the deception. We don't have to kind of wonder. Um, at the end of the day, Uh, between these two systems of worship that we keep coming back to and contrasting as part of this, these two cities from last week or the great controversies, we like to describe it more theologically, right? Uh, And so we see that, that Satan is the one behind the scenes, pulling the strings. He's the one that wants to deceive others. And so that false system of worship at the end of the day uh, started with sin, started with Lucifer who became the devil uh, and, and, um, furthermore, God's people are warned about this at the end of time, and 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 God's people, by way of contrast, are described as um, Revelation fourteen twelve. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep His commands and remain faithful to Jesus. So uh, we don't like to talk about this, but but this is the posture of God's people at the very end of time. They are patiently waiting or having patient endurance. And so uh, that's that's part of, of what we are about as, as Adventists is we are <clears throat> we're described as having the patience of the saints. And mm. so um, you know, Satan who does the deceiving, everyone does what they want to do versus uh, God's people who are faithful to him. They are patiently uh, waiting. And, and that is such a beautiful description. It's a beautiful contrast. And, and, you know, it says to keep God's commandments and have the faith of Jesus, which in revelation 19 verse 10 is the, te- uh, the, the faith of Jesus um, the, or the testimony of Jesus. Sometimes it's described as, as having the spirit of prophecy. So it's God's people who keep all of God's commandments, including we would say the fourth commandment, right? The Sabbath. And they also have the, the gift of prophecy at the end of time. Uh, you know, beautiful description of, 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 of God's people at the end of time, but they are patiently waiting rather than doing what they want. They do what God wants. And, um, and so that, that deception uh, that that takes place that Satan tries to pull a fast one, if you please, right? <laughs> that that begins with the old lie 
uh, back in the Garden of Eden. So take us take us there, Buster. Yeah. So as we look at, I guess you could say, old deception, <laughs> it gives us a couple of texts here, Michael. And those texts are, mm-hmm. are, are found here in Revelation 16, 13 and 14. The old life immortality in Revelation 18, verse uh, 20, and all two and 23. Revelation 16, verse 3. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Uh, that's verse 13 and 14. For they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle of, uh, of that great day of God Almighty. In 18.2, and he cried out with a loud voice, Babylon, Babylon has fallen and has become a great, great dwelling place of demons, a prison of every foul spirit and a cage of, for every unclean and hated bird. And the light, verse 23 of 18, the light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore for your merchants were the great men of the earth for your sorcery of all the nations were deceived says it says what allusions to spiritual spiritual to uh, spiritualism do you find in these verses and we find quite a bit the spirit of demons we find sorcery we find uh deception we find uh immortality of the soul all these different things that are found here and it has a uh quotes here the great controversy page 588 uh to back that but we also see here uh um, Michael, if you will, the deception that comes about to full, and that is with power, with great command, with even signs, uh, and the world as clamoring after those things. And we have to be very careful that we don't fall in line with that. And then it goes on to the lie of immortality. Ecclesiastes 9, 5, for the living know that they will die, but the dead do not know anything they have no reward, and the memory of them is forgotten. We see that also in Job, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Uh, for the Lord will come with the voice of an archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Showing here our view, if you will, of the state of the dead. If you want to know more about that, there's plenty of material to go over that. But one thing it's trying to bring out here is that uh, it says one of the pillars of Babylonian deception is a false understanding of death. And so we see spiritualism that is tied to that. And in our own culture today, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound weird, but I heard a quote from someone said that they religiously don't believe in, uh, uh, in plastic surgery, surgery, because if they have plastic surgery, when they go to heaven after they die, God won't recognize them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Not- <laughs> you know, it's but it's a quote by Lionel Richie of all people. <laughs> oh <my goodness>. yeah. <laughs> you know, I I chuckle at that, but once again, we're talking about deception and and all these different things. The thing that God is going to recognize about us is our character. The thing that God is going to realize about us is have we fallen in line with His truth and. And not 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 out of obligation or out of force or coercion, but out of love. This is these are the things that are going to bind us to Christ. Uh, the the way that we've treated others is how He's going to recognize us. When He says, "Depart from me, I never knew you," uh, we see here in in uh, even Revelation twenty five, right? We see uh, where He's telling them, "When you've done one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me." When we have aligned ourselves with the with the cause of Christ, that's how He recognizes us. 
But we see here Babylon is trying to confuse us with saying, no, this is how it's going to happen. And this is why it's so important to remember the memory text, which is sanctify them by truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As we as we dwell upon the word and we allow its 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 uh, everlasting promises and truths to enter into our hearts, it helps us to not be deceived. And I think that's the the greatest thing we can take away from Monday's lesson, which brings us to Tuesday's lesson: Babylon, the center of sun worship. Uh, let's hear about that, Michael. Yeah. So a couple passages: Ezekiel eight sixteen. Um, is talking about uh, actually being in the temple, right? And and then um, and that that they faced in worship towards the east. We we know at, at various points as God's people, you know, apostatized or whatever you want to call it, right? That that they started worshiping other gods. That uh, even the temple began to be violated and polluted. Uh, and that's exactly what Second uh, Kings chapter twenty three is talking about. Uh, Josiah, he, in verse five, uh, takes the idolatrous priests and casts them out, right? Um, and all those who right. burn incense to Baal, uh, to the sun and moon, the constellations, the starry hosts. I think that's actually really good, uh, you know, because sometimes it's talking about sun worship in our Sabbath school lesson. It's not just the sun. They're worshiping all kinds of different things. They're worshiping the, basically the creation around them, what they can, what they can observe and, and of course, it says that Josiah removed them from the temple, right? And so, um, and especially those that were um, those that had had those things that had been dedicated to the sun, right? So, sun worship is definitely a, a big part of that story. That's not it's not the only part, uh, but but it's a part of that. And uh, and again, this this kind of uh, symbolism of 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 why people are choosing to worship um the creator god versus uh choosing to worship his creation and and so we see again just uh just a huge huge contrast uh between the between the two um and i, I know there's a reference here to sun worship and sunday and stuff like that um there there's 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 um certainly there's some allusions to sunday worship um that's really not why people in early christianity began to start worshiping on sunday um although i know there's some of that history some of that history actually predates constantine uh and and so we we actually need a really good book in adventism on early adventist uh the the on how the the change of the sabbath took place because we actually know it's yes. even long before Constantine that that was happening so yeah um, you know uh, Michael I, I I enjoyed reading the different reasons right uh, some of the yeah. reasons why uh, persecution uh, uh, itself was one of one of those reasons they said you know what we don't want to be we don't want to be seen as Jews so therefore we're going to show that we're different I mean there's yeah. a myriad right. of reasons and I think that's where a lot of the scholarship now both inside and outside of Adventism is pointing to is that contrast because the Jews were being like you said, we're being persecuted, the destruction of Jerusalem on multiple occasions. It was massive. And so people are trying to distance themselves from the Jews. But there is an element, you can't get away from it, of sun worship and, and Sunday keeping. Certainly yeah. that'll be more pronounced over time in those pagan illusions. So that never does completely go away. But but it's a little bit more complicated, I guess, that is what I'm trying to say. Yes. But uh, anyways, we could get into a long rapid trail <laughs> down this one. But but there is some really interesting stuff uh, for those Adventists 
uh, that uh, interested in the, his, the, the listeners, maybe not even Adventists, but just anybody interested in the history of the, of the Sabbath and the change of the Sabbath. Some really uh, great stuff. Anyways, the point being is that whatever it is, it's it's antithetical to what God's asked us to do. And, and that brings us back to Wednesday's lesson, which is a call to faithfulness. You know, this this lesson is quite interesting. It brings up Ezekiel 20 verses 1 to 20, and I won't bore you with reading all of that, but I want to go there to the end of Ezekiel chapter 20, uh, starting at verse uh, 15, if you will. Actually, I'll, I'll start with verse 14 uh, of Ezekiel 20. But I acted uh, for my name's sake, that it should not be profane before the Gentiles in, whom's, in whose sight I have brought them out. So he's talking about bring the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness. So I also raised my hand in oath uh, to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land, which I had given them flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all the lands, because, and this is the important part to understand, uh, audience, uh, verse 16, because they despised my judgments and did not walk in my statutes. But profane my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eyes spared them from destruction. I did not make an end, to, uh, end of them in the wilderness. But I said to their children in the wilderness, Do not walk in their, the statutes of your fathers, nor observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes, keep my judgments, and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, and you may know that I am the Lord your God. If it doesn't get clearer than that, then uh, what what else can we do? And, and so that is the parallel understanding, Michael, if you will, that sometimes we focus so much on those who are Sunday worshipers and why we shouldn't worship on Sunday and how we started and, and where it began. Well, the thing is, once again, as we sanctify ourselves with truth, we say, who cares when it started, <laughs> how it started, when it started, like that debate. OK, yes, those things are important. Sorry, historian. But the more most important thing is to align ourselves with what God is asking us to do, which is doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing to say, God, I will keep what you've asked me to keep. And that is your Sabbath day holy. And I choose to do that because, once again, I love you and I want to not follow my heart to follow after the idols of my own eyes, but I want my heart to follow after the God, not a God, uh, not things created with man's hands or even myself. I want to follow after the Lord. And so it's important to know that it says, what gift of Ezekiel's message here, uh, 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 what is the gist of Ezekiel's message here, and how does the Sabbath fit in with this call to faithfulness? Well, it's a perpetual sign. Uh, between us and God. And it's going to be something that I believe we're going to keep in heaven and in the new earth. And not just I believe, we see that in the word. And so I believe it because it's there. And it's going to be a, a even now, if you don't enjoy the Sabbath now, then will you actually get a chance to join in heaven? Because uh, that that is a bonding time for us between us and God right now. And let's take That's every intense. advantage of it as possible. Yeah. So Michael, Take us home. Uh, take us to the race, race for race. obedience. Yes. <laughs> the race to grace. <laughs> A word of grace. Yeah. Revelation 18, 4 and 5. I'm, again, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but come out of her, my people, come out of Babylon, right? And so we have this, this epic call that is described where God um, uh, is calling out of 
false systems of worship. That's what we're talking about, right? And so false religious organizations, you know, in our Adventist history, we're talking about those churches that oppose the second Advent message of Christ. But we also know that the come-outers, that's what they were actually called in Adventist history and during the Millerite movement is the come-outers. The come-outerism, uh, if you please, that movement actually started with the abolitionist movement. They were looking at false systems of wow. worship that were promoting uh, slavery and and things that were antithetical to the kingdom of God. And they said, well, we can't support these systems. And so you have all these reform movements, whether it's health or prison reform, education reform, but but the most prevalent where it really started was the abolitionist movement, the, the fight against slavery in this country. And, and it's interesting, all of our earliest Adventist pioneers, the Millerites, they were consistent abolitionists. And so I think it's important to realize that we had uh, very activist pioneers that cared deeply about the world in which they lived. Just because they believed Christ is coming didn't mean that they were otherworldly and didn't care how they related with others. And so that's really important that these false systems of worship um, were, it, it's more than just kind of, you know, uh, oh, well, it's these these other churches or whatever, but it, it's more than that. It's just, it's these deeply seated systems of oppression uh, uh, within the world in which we live. So, uh, and by the way, how do we live in the midst of that? Because by the way, oppression hasn't gone away. We yeah. still are, we live in an imperfect, sinful world. And, and if we're really honest, we still struggle. And and we don't have slavery in the same sense, at least not in America, that, that we had it in the 19th century, but we still have racial oppression. And we, we, still, have, we, have, we have misogyny. We have, yeah. We do. These, these are, are deeply seated, challenges within our our culture and society and world in which we live and so we have to and that same word of grace that spoke to our pioneers needs to speak in our hearts to address those same social issues to speak up for injustice uh in the world around us by the way then we we move also to uh to uh this biblical you know this definition of what what is sin right so that that's very easy it's lawlessness that's first john 3 verse 4 uh romans 14 23 right um, that whatever is not from faith, everything that does not come from faith is sin. So uh, at the end of the day, you know, if it's antithetical to the kingdom of God and it doesn't matter what that is, whatever system of oppression that, that, that we need to recognize it and call it for what it is, but God will sustain us, give us grace, not only to live within that, but also to speak out against it because uh, God doesn't call us to be uh, wallflowers and just to be kind of, you know, pushed around <laughs> um, at the end of time, we have a biblical foundation that is sure. And that biblical foundation informs us so that we can actually live lives that are different. And God's grace makes that possible. Man, you know, Michael, uh, as you shared that, it's not only is it's where our faith and God's faith meets, because I, I think sometimes we forget that uh, we know that God is faithful, right? We love to sing that song, Grace Thy Faithfulness, but that's what he's calling us back to as well. Mm -hmm. He wants to be able to, to share the same thing. Great great is Michael's faithfulness. Great is Buster's faithfulness towards me. Is just that we failed so many times that sometimes we're like, oh, oh, he doesn't care anymore. Yes, he still cares. He still wants it. He's still drawing us closer to him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, well, you know, uh, Satan's final deceptions, it sounds a little bit ominous, sounds sounds even a bit scary, but we don't have to be afraid. It's God's love, his grace that will sustain us through the end. And um, the only people that are going to cause ourselves to be deceived is ourselves. Uh, 
that contrast between the two, people will make a choice. And will they be deceived? Yes. Not because uh, Satan is so crafty and, and you just weren't smart enough. Uh, <laughs> it's because you made it a choice of allegiance. Yeah. And, and you know, it's not because we didn't, uh, weren't smart enough. It's because we didn't trust enough. You know, we are, we have to depend and trust and know, right. And, and figure continue to grow. Yeah. And, and that, and that is probably the greatest deception is when we deceive ourselves. Ooh, Lord help us. Mercy. Right. Yeah. So, well, it's, it's, it's you know, as we're going on, um, we don't have to be afraid. Let's trust God's grace and, and have a, a word of grace in each of our hearts and lives. I need that grace. Um, and so I encourage our listeners, uh, look for a word of grace in your own heart and life and extend that same grace to others around you. So, well, that wraps up another lesson as we uh, continue through this series on the three angels and uh, we Always glad to have you listening and joining us week by week. And um, and uh, until next week, uh, this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing, signing out. out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SabbathSchoolRescue.org, for each weekly episode.